0: Yesterday, I set the stage for this uh, set of daily devotions on the 13 chapters that we find in the letter to the Hebrews. And I noted that while the authorship is uh, not clear, um, that this book claims to be and arguably is uh, this profound celebration of Jesus that he's Bigger than, better than, prior to, uh, over and above, Uh, you know, he's more significant than the law, the prophets, the angels, uh, anything that you want to point to. Jesus is uh, a better hope for us. Jesus is the person that we ought to be looking to, uh, and he is the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. So today, we look at the first couple verses. Uh, This is Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. So um, in these first two verses, we get three big claims. Uh, One, there is a God Two, he is not silent. And three, he is revealed in the the highest expression through his son, uh, Jesus Christ. So uh, let me just note that the the book of Hebrews, neither the book of Hebrews nor the Bible in general uh, sets about to prove that God exists. It just starts with the idea that, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now there are Arguments sometimes called proofs I, I in their philosophical terms they're sort of proofs, but not necessarily the way we use the word today. So there are arguments for the existence of God, and they come under various headings the ontological, the teleological, the cosmological uh, I mentioned in the sermon this past Sunday on Easter uh, I mentioned that uh, that William Lane Craig had done two doctoral dissertations. One that I was focusing on was on the, uh, the historical arguments, the historical debates around the empty tomb and the resurrection and what happened to the body. His first one was on the cosmological argument for the existence of God, which uh, was a massive uh, work, but basically just says something exists Uh, that means that uh, it is either eternal in and of itself or it it was created by something that's eternal. Now, you could argue that it was created by something that was created by something that was created by something, but you just play that back. Eventually, something has to be stable. There has to be something that exists prior to other things existing in order to get things set in motion. And uh, so the, the, the third part of this argument is to say the earth, the universe, the cosmos that we know and that we can study, uh, we can look at and observe, we know that the cosmos uh, in its current form is not eternal because if it was eternal, then we would already be in heat death. The sun would have burned up all the hydrogen and the universe would be, our solar system would be a, a cold place. Uh, the whole universe would be, you know, would have gone to heat death. It would have spent all the fuel. So we know that the universe as it existed, as it exists now is not eternal. There was a beginning, the Big Bang, whatever. Uh, so we can, we can explore those things. The Bible doesn't do that. And the, the letter to the Hebrews doesn't do that. It just assumes that there is a God. And this makes all the difference in the world. If there is a God... Right, then that changes everything, especially if that God claims uh, to to have created you in His image and to desire to have a relationship with you, and if that uh, if if the claim uh, is that uh, through God and a relationship with God you can find your ultimate purpose and and gain eternal life. So um, at the beginning of this letter, then we get the, the, the message, the, the, the game-changing message the the, on the other side of the dividing line. We are not a cosmic accident. There is a God who created us, and he is not silent. He has, he has spoken to us. He desires to be in some sort of relationship with us. And in the Old Testament, God manifests himself in a variety of different ways. You know, a burning bush, a voice from heaven, a pillar of cloud by day, fire at night. Uh, he's, he communicates through dreams. He communicates with the prophets. There's a variety of different ways. The letter to the Hebrews says and announces sort of as a summary fashion for the Old Testament and the New Testament, that the pinnacle of God's self-revelation is now coming to us through Jesus Christ, whom he has appointed the heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. So in these first couple chapters, or excuse me, first couple verses, the first 30 words or so, uh, we get this sense that God has had this plan that has been unfolding throughout history, and it reaches its zenith, and I'd use the word progressive, because some theologians say the progressive revelation, it gets better and better. That's a that's a loaded term today, so I don't know that I should use it. But anyway, uh, the, the pinnacle of God's revelation is going to come to us through Jesus. And so the, the premise is that We look, as Christ followers, we look not only to the Bible, the Word of God uh, revealed, uh, the Word of God written, but we also look to the Word of God, the Logos, the Word of God incarnate Jesus Christ, in order to better understand God, in order to better understand who we are and why we were made. So, I hope you have a good day. See you tomorrow.